Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode anyway so we'll just just blend in and then eventually i'll say something that sounds okay, like a cool. beginning yeah, cool. <laughs> nice, nice. i know i've got like my little i've like set up that oh check so it out. should be like i think the sound is really good by right. the way okay, it sounds cool. great I've, i'm dead lucky because i've got like a pretty cool little home studio set up mm. um so I've been. I've seen so many people like digging out stuff out of cupboards to make them into sound booths and all that. The oh, many you people see, I know that are doing that. Of like hacks, I've been doing like with like, because because like the whole streaming world wasn't ready for like music yet. So like the quality is so hard to get like a decent quality of audio. And like I'm a bit of a like uh, audiophile maybe when it comes to that kind of stuff. So like I'm like oh I need it to sound okay like mostly yeah. most of all sort of thing. But then also. You know, you got to just do what you can do and work with what you can work with. So, so this is my wee project now, doing the podcast online. Just had to embrace it. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a great way to do this. Well, and and keep mm-hmm. it up while while we're all stuck in our homes. We are obviously you're super busy, and we are super busy when we connected initially. Right, right. So then you're like grabbing people now, going, "Ha ha! I know you're yeah, blocking." Yeah, yeah, totally. I know. Like, are you, are you free at some point? <laughs> No. no, well, I will say because it is a very informal start, which is what I say in every podcast episode. If you listen to this on a regular basis, like she's just got phrases that she turns out. But I am speaking to Mike McKenzie. Hello, hi. Hey. We've never met in real life, but we're meeting virtually. Meeting now, as we said. This yes. is the new, the new real life. Is this video? Oh, please, no, I don't want that to be the new no, I know, real life. Me neither. Bulldozers, <laughs> perhaps, but not not full time. And um, yeah. The great thing about having podcasts is that you can reach out to people that are interested in creative that you don't know. <laughs> and that's what I did with you. And I think it I think it was an Instagram. Yeah, I think so. Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And firstly, I love your your music. <laughs> Thank you. It's beautiful. I was just actually listening to Love Like This just before mm. we come on. And it's just a beautiful song. Like, I hope you don't take offense to this. Like, I feel like I already knew it. Yeah, no, that's a massive compliment. That's a compliment. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like a song yeah. that just sits with you well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Just... You sort of, I don't know, I'm not like, I, I, I kind of just write what I write. Like, I, I, it just like sometimes just happens. And I think a lot of creative people are kind of feel the same. So when you sit down to do something creative, it, it's sometimes a lot harder than if you just like walk past a sketch pad or a piano or whatever and mm. you just start noodling and suddenly you're, it's four hours later and you, you've written a song or an idea. But that song, like, I, I don't know, I think maybe, like, because I definitely focus on writing that way, you know, a lot of the the songs that I write kind of just are massively influenced just by lots of other bits and pieces. So I don't know, maybe there's some sort of familiar, I can never say that word, familiar, familiarity, familiarity uh, that comes through, I don't know, just from influence. But, that, no, I take that as a massive compliment, I feel like. No, I mean, it's a beautiful song and obviously the sentiment is, is beautiful too thank you do you find that you write according to life experience like stuff that you are experiencing in your life or do you take inspiration from other people's experiences or is it a bit of everything really I think probably a bit of everything um mainly my life I definitely treat it as a kind of 
um, I always talk about it as sort of journal entries. Like I don't keep a journal. My partner keeps a journal and he finds that really, really, really therapeutic. And I'm not like a closed book in any means, but I, I definitely find solace in expressing those sort of behind the scenes emotions and behind the scenes feelings and thoughts through writing. So like there's definitely, I mean, there's like bits and pieces of, you know, a verse here and there or whatever that I've written that's never really turned into anything, but it still served its kind of purpose for me. Like it still became that sort of cathartic it's way of... cathartic, yeah. yeah. definitely. But yeah, no, I definitely say that I write from my own perspective most of the time, nearly mm-hmm. all of the time, nearly. Because there's certain songwriters that, you know, I listen to and I'm like, is that their life? Are they talking about something that happened to them? Or, you know, and like frantically googling like did this happen to this right. person <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i can think of um the songwriter jason isbell i don't know if you're familiar with his music i'm not um, i was like sourcing my people he's like an amazing songwriter just like a really amazing storyteller right that's see that's the kind of that's my kind of jam like that's that's mm. the kind of music i love listening to and and trying to i mean i, I was gonna say trying to emulate maybe influenced by yeah um yeah so music growing up, like listening to music, was music in your home? Was that just a part totally. of Totally. Yeah, we like, um, so my mum and dad were at one point for like a good few years, they were both in like community musical theatre. So, like, <laughs> so my mum would like direct and then my dad was always like in them. So like we always like, we had a piano in the house growing up and like we would always be like singing and dancing and mucking around I'm an only child but my mum was a childminder so we always had like there was always a full cast of members to like put in shows which was wonderful that's exactly what I wanted yeah. I just bullied all the, the kids in the, in the neighborhood like you're going to be in a show you're going to be in a show you ready <laughs> so it was really good and we always we always listened to music like my mum's a massive Beatles fan but also like Billy Joel and um, my dad does a mean Elvis on karaoke so the backtrack you know soundtrack to that Les Mis was like a huge soundtrack to growing up. Any 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 versions of any of the songs that weren't on that original like West End recording soundtrack. I'm like, they're not. It's not right. It's not right. It's not the it's same. Not the real deal. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like, definitely grew up in a home like that. My mum taught me all the the basic stuff on piano, and then um, I started to get lessons. But then the it was a music teacher from primary school that lived like four doors down from us in my street growing up. And I went around and um, she was like, right, okay, so we're going to learn this song and like played this really simple thing on the piano. And that's kind of when I realised that I could play by ear. <laughs> and so I just sort of played it back to her. And she was like, right, okay, well, don't know how we're going to learn how to read music if you're just going to sort of play it back. And then we, we just stopped doing lessons. My mom, she would just turn to my mum and was like, listen, he's just going to play it back. He's just going to recite it back to me like a parrot instead of learning the notes. But uh, yeah, so then so then that was me on my own and I just kind of started jamming and making up stuff on the piano. And... So you were totally like self-taught. Yeah, I, I ended up doing music in school, but I done I was actually, my first time round in music was as mm-hmm. a drummer. So I was a drummer in uh, Jackal. So like pretty good band. Like we did really well. Yeah. We did loads of stuff, played for years, um, done a bunch of touring stuff and, and it was great fun. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really cool. But I was a drummer behind the scenes. So I was like, um, mm. even learning the obviously like the technical stuff with drumming is is important but a lot of like mm. um drum music is like here's an example of how the beat should sound and then you just like do something similar like literally in the in the music it's like do something similar for the next 16 bars so i did um i did composition and i did drumming was actually what i done in school as my instruments even though 
piano had always been my thing, but mm. because the theory wasn't there, I couldn't really, I couldn't follow up that way. That can, yeah, I definitely yeah. feel like I, I should have persevered, but I was just too impatient. I think I think you're all right. I don't think you need to worry about it. <laughs> I was like, it's okay now. I feel like I'm like solid now. Like I know like enough of sort of learned over the years a lot of the theory stuff without sitting in a classroom, which is which is how lots of people learn, you know, and, and that's how I do. By osmosis, by just doing it. Totally, totally. I'm uh, instructions to the side with a flat pack, you know. I'm like, let's just go for it. <laughs> I'm your pal. <laughs> <laughs> I went for guitar lessons at school. Um, and, you know, an amazing, accomplished guitarist, like, lovely man, but like me, he was a blether. And the two of us just used to talk <laughs> for, like, for like the whole lesson. And then I'm like, I've not actually learned it. That's amazing. I love and then I was like, you know, I need to get my hires. So I should really go back to class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I just, I've just learned to kind of play by ear. I mean, I'm not an accomplished player by any matter of means, but it lets me write a song. Right. That's definitely like where, like, I love playing piano and just like noodling and I'll sit for like an hour and just like muck around on it. But then actually when it comes to like writing, you know, sometimes simpler is better and sometimes not. So like about a year and a half ago, I'd played a guitar before, like obviously just like as everyone has strummed a guitar or tried to learn some chords. But then I kind of got really impatient and I always blamed my hands being the wrong way around. So like on a piano, your right hand does like a lot of the playing, like a lot of the movement and your left hand does sort of more chords. Whereas on a guitar, your left hand is doing yes. a lot of the movement and your right hand is doing the strumming. And then I thought the whole like ambidextrousy thing with drumming, mm. and I'm like, maybe that will work. But then I just always got like really frustrated because I couldn't do it immediately. I just, I guess I was a bit impatient. And then I started writing songs properly and playing them as a solo artist. Like that was only a couple of years ago, really, mm. that I started performing. And uh, a friend of mine, Kathy Muir, is a brilliant songwriter. She, um, I met her on the open mic scene in Edinburgh. And then I was doing like a show with her. She was playing uh, Stramash in Edinburgh, but it's one of those like big, like three hour shows, you know, like these like all night music shows. Like, I could never do it. I don't know enough songs, but like, you know, one of those type of things. And I was playing piano for her and singing some backing vocals and doing some percussion stuff. Anyway, we were going to rehearsals and she'd learned like two of my songs on guitar. And I was like, oh, these sound so lovely on guitar. Like, I'm like, I'm going to have to like revisit this and try again and like try and learn these two songs. And so mm. I, I learned those two songs, how to play those two songs on guitar. And that was kind of the beginning of starting to play guitar properly. And I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. And I think I had the patience, but I also had a, mo- a lot more time um, yeah. in doing it and, uh, and started playing guitar. And then, so now writing on guitar is this whole, I'm writing such different music now because, like, it's the same. It works on an album together, but it feels mm. different. And it opened up a few more doors of, like, like you were saying, you know, like I don't, I, I would never say I'm a guitarist. Like I would never say I'm a guitar player, but like I can, I can accompany myself. And it gets you where you need, where you want to be. Totally. And to be able to write like yeah. that. And then, you know, if I, if I, I mean, not right now, like a lot of the stuff that I'm doing um, studio wise is, is me playing guitar and just having to do like a million takes. But like, I think there's definitely like this, th- a, an open policy, I think with my stuff where I'll try and do as much of the music as I can on a, on a recording. But like, I would much rather have like an amazing guitarist play a guitar part yeah. than be scraped through. And then, uh, you know, but also there's a difference. Like just now, so like I'm recording just now to try and put out a EP of songs, probably five tracks. The plan this year was lots of touring and lots of gigs, but obviously that's all changed. Oh man. So I'm kind of it, and that was my way of kind of getting my music out there because there's only a couple of tracks out. Um, and apart from like live videos and things like that. 
but uh, I wanted to get some more music out. And then I thought, well, what's the best way to do it? And I, I always consider myself kind of a songwriter first and then an artist. So I was like, well, let's just put these out as in their purest form. Let's just have it like me and a piano, no backing vocals, no extra layering, like nothing, just like a really pure EP of just like, here's the songs. So yeah, so I'm really excited to put that together. So that'll be me playing guitar. I'm unfortunately, but it'll be fine. Yeah. It'll, it'll be good. It'll be lovely. It'll be lovely because it's you. And, it's it's just, and that's the point. I think like that's what like I'm trying to embrace with the EP is just like it's just going to be the purest. It's the songs. So it'd be nice. It'd be nice to do something without sort of having to think too much about the production too. Because that's always mm. another challenge when you write songs is like how's it going to sound with the band and how's it going to sound once there's new elements in it and what are those elements yeah. going to be and. That kind of so being in a band, like being in Jackal and touring and doing that, what was the kind of impetus for the transition to become a solo artist and a songwriter? Because I'm assuming your stuff with Jackal is very different to yeah, the what Jackal. Your sound is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm like I'm like a like a, a sort of I guess probably like a traditional songwriter, like um, like singer songwriter. You know where it's just like story songs and journals and that kind of stuff but it's um the jacko stuff was like real i mean so this was like 2004 i guess maybe so like pop rock in 2004 like that was jackal like that was like the sound you know okay we were like jumping about stage we were like teenagers jumping about playing awesome crowds and just like being wild and, and jumping around but we were all like super like into into arrangement and into like musicianship so like it was always mm. and I took pride in our live shows of being really really tight and and, and upbeat and like big party kind of vibes um and then in like 2009 10 something like that I was like I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try and be a grown-up for a bit like I think I'm gonna try that out and we had done like, so we had done like little tours and we'd done like music video and like we'd done like, you know, like we'd released like three EPs and it was kind of like, I'm like, okay, I think I've done like a lot of the things that I would have loved to do with this. And the band was mm-hmm. at a stage where it was kind of taking that next step. So the rest of the guys moved down to London and I stayed up in Edinburgh and was like, right, I'm going to be a grown up now. Wow. And it was a bit of a choice, but it was, it made, you know, there was like loads of stuff going on at the time in, in my personal life and, and other things that kind of contributed to decide to leave but it also like was a case of I think I've got like all of the the goodness that I, that I could take from it I feel like yes, to, like and continue mm. to grow and change and they continued right up until like two years ago so they kept playing and yeah now three of the guys from the band are in a, in a new point the jackal is finished but uh everyone's still musicians Liam's a yeah. he, he actually mixed love like this um so he's oh, a, like, cool. he went down he just finished studying at Abbey Road in the Abbey Road Institute so he's now a sound engineer, mixer, producer. Then the rest of the guys, Jamie and Kieran, who were in the original lineup, because there was like a couple of tweaks, as you know, just as everyone, as, as these things do, they are now in a band, Limo, uh, Limo, sorry. And it's another sound, it's another new sound, but it's wicked, it's really cool. And it's nice to see that everyone is still working away in music and doing their own thing all these years later. Yeah, and we all really- move on in whatever shape or form, even if you had stayed with the band. And as you say, growing up, Jackal sound would have changed and mutated in that time. So, but obviously for you, you had your reasons. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's allowed you to, I guess, have total creative freedom as well because yeah, you don't yeah. have any outside influences like other people's opinions of the sound that you're creating. Yeah, totally. And it, and it sort of, it sort of, and I went and pretended to be a grown up for a little bit and wrote on the side and kind of had my little studio set up that was very, very basic. It was like just a microphone and a, and a Mac, which I'm really lucky enough that I could have. And uh, we would 
produce like big dance bangers and like but also like soundtrack stuff and also like yes. music and also like and I just kind of like lived in that sort of production world I'd done production in college so it was just really fun to just do that on the side so I was working in hotels so I was there basically like seven hours a week and then uh-huh. free time I would just muck around with this with music really at first it definitely was just for fun and just like I love doing it and I always had the idea of like trying to write for other people and trying to sort of enter that world because I was always a kind of a bit like don't get me wrong like a couple of beers I'm gonna get up on the karaoke but like I was never like a front man and I'd never performed that I'd never been on stage as a front man I'd never done anything like that at all but I wanted to write and I had these things that I wanted to do but like I was never going to be jumping around with like backing dancers on the pop stage so I'm like I love like I love to write that kind of stuff like for fun and it's great and it's really enjoyable and I've done loads of that kind of stuff over the years but like for me as an art I would never like be comfortable doing it it's just not what I would be comfortable doing mainly because I'm massive stage fright and actually like a sort of like secret introvert you know um <laughs> but uh yeah so I kind of done that for a while and then I kind of considered right okay maybe I should look at actually trying to get some other people to to sing these songs or, like there's no point in them all just sitting on a hard drive so like fast forward another like you know maybe year or something and I had met a few singers over the years you know from gigging and stuff that I thought would really work and and I'd done a few soundtrack things and then I got approached to do like a, a podcast like a um a fictional podcast soundtrack for like this horror soundtrack oh, nice. it was just like it was just something I had on SoundCloud and they really liked it and they used that and then a spoken word artist got in touch and was like hey that soundtrack you did for that podcast could you make that into more of like a beat structure like for a spoken word I'm like yeah sure so like done that so we ended up doing an EP a guy called Pope um down in Huddersfield uh we done an EP put that out and it was like went really well the king's ep that was really cool and that was all just production again that is like miles away from the stuff that i perform now mm. but it's just like another outlet of creativity there another singer gavin blackie i, I wrote an ep um with him and recorded and produced all of that and we put that out uh, and that done really well we've done like a, another charity single for st columbus hospice and that was really cool and that was a bit more bandy and that was a bit more kind of slightly closer to what i would kind of do and then it was it was like a couple of years maybe later I had met Chris my partner and had written a few songs that were kind of about that situation and and about us and and it was kind of they felt too close to give to anybody else but they also felt like something maybe I would actually be able to perform and I think it was like mm-hmm. a transition of trying to write songs that I thought people would like mm-hmm. and then actually writing for the release of writing Yes, from my, yeah, own, from my own perspective, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah, but I think it's like amazing that you have that ability to write for others. That you're saying that it's very much not what you would then perform. Yeah, because but- I love I love all sorts of music. Like I was saying, like we grew up listening mm. to musicals. We grew up listening to like like classic songwriting. So like you know your Billy Joe's and your Beatles, like I said, but also like listening to Sound of Music soundtrack or listening to. I mean, also I was like a '90s kid, so. It was all your like pop era stuff, you know. It was your Britney, it was your you know NSYNC, it was all that stuff. That's what I listened to. So like to like be able to like create that on a computer, I was blown away the first time I got hold of software that could do that kind of thing. Absolutely. And so like I, I think that's why it's hard sometimes like to like I always get confused when there's like a box on a website about like influence. I'm like, are you asking what I sound like, or are you asking who I'm influenced by? Who I'm influenced by? Very different answers. <laughs> You know? Yes, and the, the thing is, like your your sound has evolved over time. I guess you'll probably listen back to stuff and you're like, 
Did I make that? Definitely. Okay, cool. I went to wear that. It's a bit like me with Anne's when I look back at choreography. I'm like, that looks like something I would have produced, but I have no recollection of where that, how I got there. Oh, <laughs> like, there's like old songs that would be like a voice memo on my phone. I'd be like, I literally don't even, like, it's definitely my voice, but like, I have no, nothing, no recollection of that at all. Normally, normally like in the car and you like hit the button. So it's just like traffic noise and like a really sort of weird background, scuffled melody without any words. And then, but sometimes that turns into like my favourite song, you know? So what is your creative process? Are you just constantly making little notes in your phone and just writing stuff down? Or yeah. are you like very much like structured, like I'm writing a song today? Some, oh. so I try and do both. I try and do, I've been writing with um, a lot more people recently. So when I started writing for myself, I definitely felt very uh, precious, maybe. Maybe that's a word that comes with negative connotations sometimes. But like, yeah, I was quite precious with it in that, it was really honest and truthful to me. And so I kind of, I felt like these were like my little babies. So I, for one, didn't want anybody else to sing them, but I also wanted them to come from me. Like they, they kind of were for me almost. Like that sounds very like selfish, but like they were kind of for me. And then I started playing them and people liked them and they could relate to them. And I was, I, I honestly, there was like this like epiphany of, oh, I should just write songs that feel right for me and, and write songs that, I just write because I, I, they just sort of happen. And, and those those have definitely been my favourite songs to play. And I've also been other people's favourite songs has been the ones that have just kind of been really like, I'm not going to sit down and try and write something specific. I've just kind of written something. But mm. on the flip side of the hat, I love co-writing. So I really love writing with other people for other people. And I feel like it's like a different process and an entirely different hat that I wear for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it is just as fun and sometimes more fun because you don't need to be like digging deep into your emotions and you know of course things come from from reality but a lot of the time it's more about the the melodies and the structures and the the wording and the other person and it's quite Mm. it's almost like advice it's like you know it's really hard to take your own advice but it's really easy to take other people's advice and they would say exactly the same so they could give you the most perfect advice ever and then never follow it themselves so it's like sometimes sitting with someone else and being like hey like so here's what i thought for a song or here's what i wanted to write about or i've got this little melody or i've got this little hook or something like that and what do you think and then and you you come in with fresh ears as a co-writer and you come in with like fresh ideas that sometimes when you're writing for yourself it's hard because you get stuck because you you're writing for yourself and it's like a much quicker process to be like, is this a rubbish idea? And someone else be like, yes, or no, that's amazing. Like let's run with that. And it's totally. much easier to bounce that off someone. Cause if you're in your own head, it's sometimes really difficult to shake it. So the core writing thing I've really enjoyed, I've been doing stuff with man in the mint. She was the uh, Scots trad upcoming artist of last year. Cool. Um, so I met him at Boa Frosh, which he organized, which is amazing. Such an amazing thing. It was part of Celtic connections. So it's Bofrosh, which is Gaelic for rainbow. So it was Bofrosh, LGBT voices in folk. Right. Every single person on the stage was part of the LGBTQ community. So it was original music. There was like old trad songs as well because it was it was uh, trad. They'd done it last mm. year. When they'd done it again this year, he decided to open it up to songwriters because there's like this really fine line now be- between modern trad folk and traditional singer-songwriter like that that like they're the same thing now i think like i've been to mm-hmm. folk clubs and and you know they'll have a singer-songwriter and then they'll have a trad folk and, and, and it all works on the same stage yes. 
but yeah, so he got in touch and was just like, hey, like, would you be up for coming in and playing something? I'm like, yeah, of course. This is amazing. Like, I'm so excited. And it was such an amazing experience, like, to play. So I had, like, uh, it was a song Loved by You. I'd written a while ago, um, and it had only ever been done with the my band. There's like two versions of the band. So there's there, okay. there's one where it's like the acoustic one, and it's other songwriters that I just know and have met and often sing on their stuff, and they often sing on ours, and would play open mics with each other and sing harmonies on each other's songs. And so yeah. Alex Smith, who's an amazing songwriter from Boston originally, but lived in Edinburgh. Um, so we met uh, Evan Hamilton, who's part of Your Lost Be Careful, um, really like alternative singer-songwriter. The full band version of his stuff is like so crazy and chaotic and loud and wonderful and wild. And then the acoustic stuff, you just sort of sob for like, you know, the full set. Um, amazing songwriter. Uh, another singer-songwriter, Sarah Owens, who is um, an amazing vocalist she's just sort of been popping up on the, the open open mic scene um so there's that version of the band which is really acoustic and really really like harmony based so there's loads of like four-part harmonies through it all and then there's the full band so we've got scott cousins on bass and zach watt on drums and then the rest of the guys are also in that band as well i've played plays guitar uh, so there's there's loads of these different versions of my bands uh, mm. but I'd never done it, anything like the Bo Frost thing where they took my song and, and I went into rehearsal. I'd never met half of the folk in this thing till the day of soundtrack. Yeah. So Pedro, who's Man of the Minch, he'd sent me over a voice memo of them playing along to a voice memo I'd sent him of the song. But there was like pipes, bagpipes, other guitars, piano, like um, one of those um, drum things that I should know the name Brand? of. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, it was just the most, uh, literally played back this voice memo and like had tears because I'd never heard my music like that before. Thank you. Um, so that was such an amazing opportunity to play that. So we played that um, live. It was in the Glasgow Royal Concert Hall in one of the, the suites. I played one song. I, played, I sang some harmonies and done some bits and pieces throughout the show. But when we done my song and I went off the stage, I literally just burst into tears. It was like the most amazing experience ever to play to this like amazing crowd, supporting these amazing artists and musicians who are part of a community that's that's still you know finding their feet, um, especially mm-hmm. in the folk world. Um, not because of anything other than it's unexpected for queer people to be into folk music, which is one of these like weird like things is like oh there's 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 queer people that like folk music and it's like yeah of course they're like in every corner of the world and it's just like it seems so stupid but this is like one of the first platforms that openly celebrates queer people and it's just such an amazing platform and Pedro's done such amazing Mm -hmm. job and it's no reflection of negativity at all in the folk community but it's just such it was just such an emotional thing to be part of of course, it's it. To be involved in, and I loved it. And, you know, I'm part of that community, but I'm also, like, um, quiet and, and you know, I sing love songs and play guitar. And I, and I don't know, like, there's definitely, like, a, a stereotype when it comes to the queer community. And I think, like, I'd never kind of seen the version of me in, in any of the, mm-hmm. like, in any of, like, the parades and the celebrations and things like that. So it was like to to see this new branch, I guess, of of the community that was like, oh right, like it's because we're just doing these things instead of doing those things. And so like that's also why I really wanted to make sure that that was never um, not clear about me as a queer person and being like proud of that and, and yeah. not defaulting to she and love songs you know like I'm it's not what I'm writing about I'm writing about my partner who's a man like I'm that's what I'm going to sing about you know and then so to write with 
Pedro, who also has that mentality to sit in a room and really be like, okay, like what are we going to write about and have that real open space to write about something that makes sense to both of us. Yeah, yeah, just being totally authentic and not totally being, like, authentic. Fit, fit in some sort of box. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Or tick a box. Totally, you know? totally. Really what it showed me was and told me and kind of gave me this like extra ambition was to kind of be the person that I could never find in that community publicly. So like just because you're not like, Loud and proud doesn't mean you're not la- you're not proud. So I think like that was really lovely. And then so and I had met um, him, uh, another amazing artist songwriter, uh, Megan D. She was part of the uh, that as well. Um, and they uh, I had known them for a while, um, and I actually had done a few sessions here called um, recorded live, um, where I would get like other songwriters to come and just record complete full takes in this little studio this was like when I was still kind of on the fence as to whether I was going to really focus on the production route or I was going Mm. to focus on the songwriter route and the songwriter route kind of accidentally took over um, but I'm so happy that it it did and it was it's so much fun because I can still do the production stuff which is really lovely Um, anyway so they'd come and done a session it was amazing so then we had met um, at the Bofrostling again and uh, me and Mally ended up singing on one of her tracks for that show, like literally we were like waiting, the sound check was happening. And then we, like I knew her song because it was one of the songs that they'd done here um, mm-hmm. in the studio. And so I was kind of familiar with it already. Mally is instant backing vocal. She's like, I don't know how she does it. It's just unbelievable. You could you could sing a melody that nobody in the world has ever sung before and she'll be able to like, you know, in real time harmonize with it. I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how she does it. She's incredible. It's such a gift, isn't it? Oh, amazing. And like, the purest of voices she's just delightful yeah so we ended up just being like oh well why don't we do this so we ended up we ended up doing these it was such a wonderful experience that whole show but uh she that so then we got in touch with each other and, and i was like hey we should write we should do something and she came over and we wrote this really cool song um who else have you been writing with uh kerry watt is another cool artist just now she's been writing with loads of people who i met at the bbc songwriter award which was very exciting. So which you just went one. I won, which was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, so that's when I discovered you last year. Oh, that was from yeah, 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 yeah. So it was BBC Radio Scotland singer songwriter yeah. 2019 award. Yeah. Mike McKenzie. By me. I was like, what? Okay. How did you end up entering that? Did someone say you should totally do this, or did you just see it and think, I'm gonna give that a bash? Well, so I, I kind of, I always keep an eye out for songwriting opportunities so like things like um competitions and that kind of thing but i think like a lot of the competitions unfortunately are kind of a bit like pay for play like don't really tick all the boxes or and that's probably super negative of me and there's probably amazing competitions out there but when i read through the t's and c's of a lot of them i'm like okay that's maybe not for me um and then i saw this one on um who shared it somebody shared it should give them credit for sharing that (laughs) I think it was like a radio person. I think it was Jim Gallatly shared it on Facebook. And then I saw that and was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's also like Radio Scotland, which means it's like local and it's Scottish and it'll be Scottish artists. And I'm like out in that scene. So like, it'd be really fun to look at. So part, part of it was that it was like no backstories. Any age can enter. Like it's it's all about just 
songwriting music. and music and just like it's open to anybody in Scotland which was really exciting because it's also nice to see like the Scottish songwriting community like get a big up you know and and get a, a, a wee extra spotlight on them especially with like Absolutely. like Jerry Cinnamon like all these people like smashing it in in, hmm. the, in the big music industry not just the Scottish industry yes. to see a bit more focus on the Scottish songwriting industry I was like oh that's amazing that's cool it's exciting I had to send in a video of me playing a song um, had to send in a video of me playing a cover of a song, which I don't really do very often, but I had recently done one. It was really Great. perfect timing. So I was going to ask you about that, like cover another few of those stuff. Yeah. Like, what, what would you choose to cover? Like what kind of stuff it is having so many influences over your life so far? You're like, what do I, what do you what do? Stuff down. I what stuff do I like to play right. of other people? Well, see where I took the cover idea from was that I like to play the kind of music that I like to play. So uh-huh. how can I make that song that, like, tr- change that song into that? Like, I think big pop tracks don't sometimes get, sometimes, I mean, like, lyrically, you're like, oh, okay, cool. So that's a, that, that's about the music, that one, you know? And then other times you're like, actually, this has got amazing lyrics. And you can, and you often see it in, like, live lounge and stuff like that, where people take, like, a big yes. old pop number, strip it right back to acoustic guitar, and you're, like, mm. sobbing because you're like, I never realised this was what this song was even about. Um, True story. So I loved doing that and I loved and I would do that on my Facebook when I didn't really have very many original songs that I would, was comfortable doing but I had decided okay I'm going to try and be a, an artist now what shall I do I'll do covers um but I wanted to do covers that I will be comfortable doing so I turned a bunch of songs into like songs that like almost like as if I'd written them this is what they would sound like yeah so I took that um Zed Marin Morris and the Grey dance banger from like 2016 uh the middle and then just like yeah. turn it into like a sort of piano-y ballady thing. Um, it was great and I really loved it and I really loved playing it. And it's really fun to play because it's also a little bit more like jazzy than I would normally play. Um, and also it's kind of nice to just sing and like really just like sing it. And and um, I think a lot of the songs that I write aren't necessarily written to like show off a vocal. They're more about like the story. It, let's focus on your voice to do you because you do have a beautiful singing voice. So we're just talking about writing music and, and music in general and, you know, the instruments that you, you've cleverly taught yourself to play. <laughs> but then singing, like a whole other thing. I love it. I really love singing. I really love doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think I've always sort of been, like, needed that... Um, those couple of beers and that and that, that egging on from friends at karaoke to ever actually do it. What was your karaoke song? Oh, Feeling Good, Michael Bublé, always. Tune. Love it, love it. Totally. Uh, what other ones? I love doing... Um, so Moulin Rouge was, I was like, I think I was like the perfect age. And like, it was, this, I went to see the cinema and I came home and I would not shut up about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. I loved it I so much. That film so good. So good. I want to go and see the musical. The musical looks insane. I'm really excited, but I'm nervous the same way I'm nervous about seeing like Les Mis. Like I've seen Les Mis, I have, I have seen Les Mis since the original soundtrack recording. Um, but. You're like, I'm not going to see it. I'm never going to see it again. <laughs> it's not the original cast from. 25 no longer 30 years ago but um uh yeah Moulin Rouge and so I love when you McGregor sings your song it's just such an amazing version of that song I love it for one it's an Elton John song and then you get you McGregor you smash them up together in like an amazing spectacular musical I'm like yeah sold sold so that's my other jam I love singing that yes yeah. you've totally made me want to go to watch that now yeah I know me too I'm like oh I've not seen that for a while <laughs> But I like so I like to sing, sing, and I'm uh, every now and again I'll write a song. And I'm like, oh, this is the singy one, <laughs> um, 
but I don't aim to write singy songs for me anyway, at least. But, so uh, was it those yeah. two that you to submit for the the comp then? Yeah, so I just sent video, like literally like sat my phone and filmed myself playing them in my my living room and uh, sent them over. That was in like March or something like that. It was like months and months before. Mm. And then I got a call from I got an email in I think August. So it was ages, being like, hey, like you've been put in the the final ten. I was like, that's amazing. That's really exciting. And the whole time as well, I was thinking, like, this is an amazing opportunity. Regard, like, to get into the final ten, I was like, that's it. That's me. Got such an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So, like, we all went in. All ten of us went into the radio, into BBC Scotland at uh, Pacific Key, which is like the most spectacular building I've ever seen in my life. And like, so real. Like, I'd never done anything like that. You know, like it was like security and name badges and like into like recording really? studio sort of space that you know, wasn't a garage somewhere that somebody converted <laughs> and going in and like people meeting us and there was like a schedule for the day. And it was just like this most, the craziest, most professional thing I'd ever sort of experienced. Mm, that was you being a grown up again. It was me being a grown up again. Yeah. But like doing the thing I love, it was this wonderful, like so cool. merging of worlds. So that was amazing. It was a, a woman called Sharon Mayer who had organized the whole thing. It was kind of her, like her baby before she left. And she was like, right, I've been, 30 years at the BBC and this was her like she'd been pushing for this thing to happen so hard she's amazing still in touch with her like every couple of weeks she's amazing and such an advocate for Scottish music and new music and original music and songwriters and she's just amazing amazing person um so we all go in the final 10 of us all go in we've never met each other obviously as well but there was like a few random connections because we're all Scottish so or all part of Scottish music scene oh you know them and like oh you know them and you know they talk about Edinburgh being a village but like the whole of Scotland, really, in the music scene is a bit of a problem. So, uh, so there was a few loose connections, which was really nice. Um, and a few of us already followed each other, which was kind of funny. It was like, oh, I actually follow you on Facebook or whatever. So that was nice. All we had in the briefing thing was just like, come and we're going to play your original song. And we're going to record it and film it. And then that's going to go on a website. And then it's going to go to a public vote to get the final four. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, don't really, don't really know what to expect. I like turn up with my little keyboard that I use for like open mics like I don't know what the situation is so we get there they have like a full-size Steinway grand piano I was like what it's like in their tv studio all these like fancy lights three cameras like proper big tv cameras with all with their headphones and microphone things and Sorry, I can't play the piano anymore. totally I was like I was expecting to sit in like a green room and just like kind of play into like a microphone and that'd be that <laughs> Like on a on a phone, you know, filmed on a phone or something. But no, there was like a director, there was a crew, there was like it all was getting mic'd up through into a recording studio that had like big like um video screen monitors so you could like go back and like watch so we all got I think it was um thirty minutes or something like that in the studio. Which is not a lot of time really, um, to record one full take that you're happy with and listen back to the take to make sure you're happy with it. But it was amazing. And everyone was so delightful and, and lovely. And everyone was in the same position. So no, you go first. Uh, you to, go well, first. everyone was like, we don't want to be first, but we also don't want to be like last because the nerves start to like build and like, but there was also Davy Scott of the Pearl Fishers. He was um, the mentor for the whole thing. So he runs this, uh, the master's course in singer songwriting in the university in the West Coast. So he's like this amazing, he's been in the industry for years and years and years, massive long career, but also like, really as a songwriter has been his like thing so for him to be there to talk about our original music and hang out and he was there and sort of being like oh yeah I love this bit or like maybe try this here or to have that guidance for that was amazing so that was an amazing opportunity in itself 
So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to get to be filmed on this amazing grand piano. They're going to put it on the iPlayer, which I didn't realize at first as well. Get to meet all these amazing people. Get to experience this whole thing. I'm like, I've won. This is amazing. Like, this is this is me one. I don't need to do any more. Thanks so much. This has been incredible. Like, I've got everything I could possibly get from this. And then I went to public vote and I got into the final floor, which I, had, I was like, what? So there was like nine other songwriters who are amazing songwriters from everywhere from like way up north in Scotland um, to like, you know, the big cities mm. being represented and from folk to like, um, really poppy stuff and sort of alternative and then there's like me singing a love song on a piano and uh, but there was everything and it was really lovely um, and the um, final 10 was put together by the the panel that was for the final which also was an amazing thing so the final 10 actually got put together it was Horse so Horse McDonald the legend that is yeah. she was one of the panellists there was uh, Kareem Polwart another amazing songwriter Jeff Ellis who is the who's DF concert so that's like king Tut, transmit like all of that stuff big stuff d bal who was biffy clyro's manager he was one of the panelists as well and uh fran healy of travel i'm like so all these people have decided that we're in the top 10 i'm like that is amazing so like that as well so it was like this is real validation from some some like big writers in the scottish music industry so we get through get through to the final four which means we're going to be playing at St. Luke's in Glasgow, which if you don't know St. Luke's is the most spectacular of venues. It's a converted church. It's absolutely stunning. We were to play a cover and our original song. And then they had guest performances from B. Charlotte, who's another amazing Scottish artist. Really, really like it. She's hitting the big time now. She's like doing amazing. It's such an old school phrase. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about hitting the big time. That's like so lame. Show me. Um, She's she's doing really well for herself now. Like it's it's amazing. I got to, I was playing with her mm-hmm. the other day on a live stream thing for Sofa Thong Sing Along, raising money oh, for cool. Music Venue Trust, nice which one. do amazing things for grassroots venues. So they keep it all going behind the scenes. And then especially now, there's no venues open, so they're they're really important. So actually, yeah, a little plug for you know Music Venue Trust and Sofa Thong Sing Along mm. for 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 supporting that cause. But uh. She was playing, Davy Scott was playing as well from the Perfectionist. That was really cool. So I was like, oh, full circle. This is nice. And then Kerry Watt had played as well, who I then have gone on to write with a few times as well. So we're playing St. Luke's. Again, they've got like this grand piano. We turn up for soundcheck. They've got grand piano on that beautiful stage, ready to go. And the whole thing was getting broadcast. Did you get a rider? We got a rider. Uh, they had like a few beers. They had lots of iron brew. They had like hundreds of Haribo. I've only ever had one uh, rider in my whole life and it was the like actually most exciting thing ever. I was like, we've totally made it now we've got a rider. So we didn't good. even like, like, they just gave us it. Like, we didn't ask them right, what right, right. Yeah. Yeah. We were, were chuffed. It's so exciting <laughs> when you go in and it's like these are for you and you're like free stuff like we love a free thing um i don't i don't even drink when there was bottles of wine yeah, like, yeah same <laughs> i don't really drink when i'm playing so i was like oh beers i'm like i'll just have water and green tea thanks so much right? <laughs> peppermint tea peppermint tea honey done rock and roll but yeah so we got to play this amazing venue and the whole thing got broadcast and the the while the two guest performances were happening the judges were were deciding and then they announced that they decided that i'd won which was just, I, I so didn't expect it at all. You know, the, the other four, so it was Gus Harrower, who's amazing music, like unbelievable talented musician, like arrangements, just like, he's like, like Mally is to backing vocals, Gus is to musical arrangements. Lived on, another amazing songwriter, 
does like sort of pop country stuff. She done the uh, song from A Star Is Born that's like the belter song and absolutely nailed it. So she's doing that. Then there's another guy, Scott Wallace from um, Aberdeen, sorry, who is basically like a Scottish young John Mayer kind of guy, like amazing acoustic guitar, great vocals. So these artists are playing and there's little old me that's like been playing open mics and, and writing gushy love songs you say, about my boyfriend. You say this, though, but you are obviously very deserving of that award. Thank you. I really I really appreciate it. I, I really do. And I and I and I have taken on the fact that I did win it and the, the fact that all these other people have been like, this was good. It's hard to do that sometimes, you know, we're all quite yeah, yeah, yeah. self doubting doubting, I think. But And it sounds like everybody would have been a deserving winner definitely. but you won it because you deserved to because you were also in great. that top four it was just like yeah. it was such a great night and like the show itself was amazing we were all like even like right from the like the the rehearsals and stuff we were like we need to do some shows we, we had actually we had booked a tour for april so it was going to be so it's oh, all been cancelled wow. so we were going to do it was going to be me gus and Liv and scott playing three days how nice is yeah. that though you connect do you know I mean it just sounds to me that you just ate love music oh absolutely and just love what you're doing but also you're a total champion of other people like you've just named so many people that you've been able to work with you're you're not in this bubble of yeah me and my music no no um, i love it I, I just love music you know, collaborating, like, yeah yeah like collaborating mm-hmm. with other people and appreciating other people's music and shouting out when people are good and saying like you should listen to these people and i think that's important like you know there's room for everybody and this has came up in the podcast before with other musicians like that we can support each other and it's not competition although sometimes we enter competitions right. and we win them right <laughs> but it's not about the competition it's about no, the you know i think not. like that like i remember back first time around gigging we go to sound check and the four bands that were playing that night would be sat opposite sides of the room you'd be eyeballing each other at sound check to see who was going to be the best on the night and it's like there's such a weird mentality like why are we not just put on an amazing show for everyone that's going to be here tonight and i've definitely found that in the songwriting community though now is like everyone is such advocates of each other and it's so lovely to see and it is that way of like if everyone is lifting each other up then everyone is going to rise with it you know like it doesn't just because you're all songwriters doesn't mean that you're all trying to fight for the same space because we're because we're songwriters we're all actually in different worlds we're all creating things from our own perception of the world with our own perception of a style you know a lot of people find it really hard now to set themselves in a box of genre because it's like it comes from all over the place like we were saying earlier you know like but I think that support of like oh we could jam we could like play this oh if we do a show together then you could play do backing vocals and I'll do piano or you know and it's like really That's playing amazing. with that idea and it's been amazing and I've met some amazing people we've done a, a promo thing for the Bo Frost show uh, at Cotiers with the BBC for Celtic Connections I met um, Elaine Lennon who's another she just put an album out um, this year going to be hanging out with her uh, this week on our Facebook page she's going to be talking about music and jamming and chatting and then it was like this other funny weird connection where she had just been on tour last year with a guy David Latto who Mally had done backing vocals on his EP last year and I went to that show and was like oh hey but his bassist is my bassist now <laughs> like this is like we're so we're all like in each other's musical lives which is so lovely mm. and I think obviously that's been heightened with this whole situation you know the Covid thing and being locked on lockdown I think we're all just 
if we hadn't already, realising that it's important just to lift everybody up. Definitely. And that there is space for everybody and we can we can make good things happen together. Totally. Even even a lockdown, even when we're not in the same room. Absolutely, yeah. Like this this whole thing is definitely just like confirmed a lot of hope that yes. there's so much good in people and there's so much time for other people. Mm-hmm. Like people have so much time for other people, you know, whether it's like just keeping in contact or like having like, you know, like the a million quiz nights that we were all doing and <laughs> definitely, definitely confirmed the good in humanity, I think. And how important the arts are mm. to people. Totally. I've been like blown away. Like people have been messaging, you know, I've done like a few live streams and, and a few things on Instagram live or what have you and, and just having a blather and just sort of talking music, mm-hmm. things like that. People have been like, this is so cool. It's just like so interesting or people have been like, oh, I love it. Like I stick it on the big telly and that's my entertainment for the night. It's really, it's really been really lovely, the feedback and stuff that um, has come from people. Also, like it's really, really heartening do people say heartening you say disheartening do you say heartening? I, I, I like the word heartening i like that like disheveled like you never like disheveled disheveled <laughs> i don't heartening so. i don't know okay we'll try it heartening <laughs> so i feel like it's heartening to <laughs> to also be able to like do what we do which is play music and write songs and we can't go and do that in venues and go and play for people but we can still kind of do it through the live streaming thing and people are still getting what they get from the live venue experience from it, which is really amazing. And that says so much about the music and so much about the art of it and and the emotion that comes with music. You know, music is literally the soundtrack to our entire lives and it sounds so cliched, but it's so important. Yeah. It's, uh, and would you say, like, I know you don't keep a diary, you don't journal, but that is what your songs are. Oh, definitely. You can, like, timestamp songs from... Or I can, at least, anyway, because I know exactly yeah. where they've come from. You know, sometimes they've become mm-hmm. what they become. And and that's the other wonderful thing about music, too, is that a song that, that can mean one thing to somebody can mean an entirely different thing to somebody else and yet be written so specifically. Like, I have a song, the, the song that I shared for the the session yes. is Daniel. It's, a, it's about my godson. Um, and people really, really take something from it. I think that they, they replace Daniel with themselves. They replace Daniel with... Uh, a friend they replace Daniel with a partner and it's that sort of reassurance of like you know it's going to be all right like sometimes it is really scary and sometimes it's really hard but yeah and that idea of a lullaby like we all need a bit of a lullaby yeah definitely (laughs) totally that idea of lullabies sort of um Mm. calming us and um so I thought that it was a really important one to maybe share because it's not anywhere like it doesn't um I've played it in some live streams, but I've not recorded it. Love it. You know, sitting down at piano, sitting with my guitar, sound, just telling a, you know, a nice story. Oh, I love it. That's just what I gravitate towards. So when I heard your music, I was like, yeah, I need to speak to him. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate it because that's, that's exactly what I think I'm trying to do. Like, here's just some, some calm music, something like that you can just enjoy and not... You can embrace however you want to embrace it and you can be sad to it or you can take hope from it or you can do both you know of course so, and, and, and you've obviously learned to live with the the idea that your music does take on another life when it gets into the lives of other people initially you were saying you were writing stuff and you were like this is just for me you can't have it it's all mine yeah oh yeah now sure. you're like people are listening to daniel and replacing that with whoever's in their life or themselves and that's now not like a unsettling feeling that's like wow people are right 
loving my music and totally taking ownership over it. Totally. I think I just never expected anybody else to be able to like get anything from it because I always felt so personal to me. It was it was Chris that nudged me to do it, like my partner. He was just like, you know, this is just sitting on a hard drive. You should do something with it. And th- he has a rule with his friends and they do this thing where it's like, you know, when you're like, oh, oh I want to learn how to do that. And then like basically the third time you say, I'd want to learn to do that. They all just turn out, okay, that's three times. So now you've got to either do it or like shut up about it. <laughs> so it was like, I should just release this. I should just release this. I should just release this. And the third time I'm like, okay. And then I put out the first song that I'd ever um, recorded, uh, Don't Hold Me Down. And I sort of floated it around and and let people hear it. And it's dead funny listening to it now because my I've definitely found my voice a lot more since then. I think I just sing like me now, which is really nice. I don't think I'm singing, emulating song singers I like mm. anymore. I think I've found yeah, kind of what yeah. I sound like as a singer, which is nice. Go back to karaoke. Me at karaoke is an entirely different vocalist from the one you get with Mike McKenzie stuff. Like it's so different. But yeah, like that that sort of nudge to, to get it out and then, then getting the feedback of like, I love this song or like, oh, this meant this to me. And I'm like, that's not what it means. But it's like that realization of like, oh, it is what it means because it meant that to them. And that is what that means to them. It's like probably the whole like, you know, the kids leaving the nest thing. And you're like, I'm so proud of them. But also like, like I can't protect them anymore. They now exist. They're out there. (laughs) And you were talking about hope and being hopeful. And obviously there has been massive change and there's so much uncertainty, you know, right to this second as we speak. But I know that there'll be plans for next year now, things that will be moved along. And that, you know, that's like the hope there. You're like, yes, oh, 2021 is going to be the best I'm year. I'm so excited for it. I'm also really excited about how it's nudged what this year is to me musically. So like mm-hmm. doing this acoustic EP has totally brought me right back down to like, like, why are you doing this? Why are you pursuing being a songwriter? Why are you pursuing being an artist? And how do you want to pursue it? And I hadn't forgotten but it just really really reminded me that it's me and a piano or it's me and a guitar and it's about the song and so this new like ep that we're gonna put out um i'm kind of thinking i'm gonna say the 5th of june and that means i've committed because then it's gonna happen okay there's an exclusive world exclusive say it three times yeah yeah. i'm gonna put it out in the 5th of june i'm gonna put it out in the 5th of june i'm gonna put it out in the 5th of june it's gonna happen happen. um so band camp are doing this really cool thing where they're like encouraging people to release more music they're going to waive their fees for one day so a lot of people are going to try and aim for that day to just put some more music out i felt like it'd be a really good target a realistic target to try and put some more music out because the point of what i want to do is to release songs and people take them and turn them into whatever they turn them into. The The plan is to call it The Songwriter. Mike McKenzie, Songwriter Volume 1. And my plan moving forward is basically to try and release as many of my songs as I can, really, in that format. So that there'll be the big single versions, there'll be the radio versions, there'll be the full band versions, hopefully an album maybe in the next couple of years. But these EPs are going to be just like the songs in their purest form. And it's just going to be a vocal and an instrument and just like, here's the song, as it was born, as it was written. And it's it's really given me such a big boost in what this year is going to be. And this year is going to mm-hmm. be about writing and um, getting some more music out there and exploring how I can write and what I can write about and really think about that. And then next year is going to be the gigging year. That's going to be the year I'm going to hit the, hit the scene and, and hit the road. And, and a lot of the shows that we kind of had in the books for this year 
are going to move to next year. They're going to change slightly because of everyone's availability. It takes the thing. The thing as well, like I think to remember is like it takes so long to organize these things when you're talking about different musicians with different schedules, especially when if you're trying to do things with a band or you're trying to do things with more than one artist on on a lineup. You know, their band have got schedules and bookings. They've got schedules and bookings. Venues have got schedules and bookings. You've got schedules and bookings. Your band have got schedules. And so it's like it takes so long to organize these things that that it, it, that's what's been so disappointing about this year's plan being changed is because it might not be able to line up the same way. But what's really exciting and hopeful is that we have like almost a year to plan it all. So we've got ages to get things in place and ages to get things right and lined up and talk about them and share them and and people to get more confident about going out again as well i think like that's going to be a huge thing just because the venues are open doesn't mean that people are going to want to go and squeeze into a cellar bar somewhere because there's still going to be like precautions and people are still going to feel hesitant Mm. about getting into that space and for a lot of upcoming songwriters that's the venues that you're playing you're playing 40 50 seaters so i think like it's going to take a long time for people to be able to be comfortable getting into those spaces again and so to plan stuff but also to use the time in between now and those shows to to try and be productive. Also allow ourselves space to not. I think that's a huge thing too. A lot of the songwriters that I've been chatting to and keeping in touch with and writing with over the internet has been these waves, and everyone has them really, but like especially within I think this, or not especially, actually, I retract especially. In all of everyone's lives are these like roller coaster of ups and downs. I think with um, with people who are, um, creative there's definitely a, an extra element of like must be busy because otherwise our brains just fill up and then we can't cope <laughs> because it's just too full so uh yeah so like going for nice walks calm lovely but it doesn't get rid of those like ideas that are floating around your head all the time every single day me and the bat like me and other guys we all are like hunting the internet for like somewhere where we can like in real time play with each other because everything has a lag like everything has like even if it's a second delay you can't play with each other and that's like that's such a huge part of our lives that we're missing it's like oh i want to like be able to jam with someone like in real time but yeah i think like given given learning to and it's i've not sussed it but learning to be okay with not having a productive day is just as important as learning to focus your days a little bit you know not just like on lockdown you know like as a creative person you need to like refill the tank and sometimes you can't just be like putting out stuff putting out stuff like being super productive every day sometimes you just like need to step away definitely definitely but yeah so i'm like firing my way through like sudoku puzzles that's been my like massive like switch off started knitting tried knitting for a while yes i'm not that good at that (laughs) turns out (laughs) I'm like, do you know what? If I like do some knitting and it takes my mind off everything for like a moment, then it doesn't ever need to be a finished product. It can just be the the, no. the journey of not knitting very well. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you'll have many songs that are a bit like that knitting that you started and oh, you'll maybe come back to one day. Totally. Yeah, those those scraps of paper and voice notes uh, are wild. <laughs> but it's also like, I, I find it like, I've been really excited and lucky because I think um, I think I've written like maybe like three or four songs that I'm like okay I think I'm really happy with these songs in lockdown and it's been really like exciting to have something to show kind of for all of the downtime that I've not done anything yeah they've all been those sort of I'm sitting noodling on a guitar and then it's literally four or five hours later and. I've grabbed a microphone and I've like sat with my laptop because something's happening and it's like 
do 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 and there's a song finished in a day and then the next day i'll be like super down and not really feeling anything because like yeah yesterday you wrote a whole song that can sometimes take you like a month like you're fine have a day off right right i know there's this like be kind be strong like i'm finishing every single post with be kind be be strong and stay at home but also like gotta flip that around to yourself as well you know you gotta be kind to yourself too again it's that advice though oh it's so hard you're good so hard to to everybody else not taking your own Mm -hmm. advice Mm -hmm. well mr mike mckenzie i am now going to to put you to task because i'm going to ask you some of the thingamabob questions i'm excited it's just to get to know you a wee bit better okay great Right, what is the best sound ever? Oh, like a, like a really old, sat in the garage for ages, slightly nearly out of tune honky-tonk piano. Love that. That's the best sound ever. Can I just say, you were not prepped for these questions. No. <laughs> and I haven't edited out any pause. <laughs> you just hit me with that. <laughs> it's the best nut, it's the best sound. Best sound. Um, oh my God, so good. Right. Um, Pressure's on now. I feel like you're a very positive person, Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't think you probably complain about a lot of things. I get that vibe from you. But what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, man. Oh, oh I don't know. That's really hard. Uh, uh, um, I don't I don't know. Uh, I need to have something. Oh, I can't think of anything at all. Pet peeve. What's really annoying? Um... Oh, do you know what's really annoying is people go into like really quiet gigs and then talking. That's really annoying. Yes. Like so go to like a big full band that's like jumping around. Like absolutely. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Like chat away, grab to the bar, go stand at the bar, have a blether. You don't fancy this song. But like playing a tiny quiet room and then people just like having like a conversation that's louder than the tiny PA. That's a pet peeve for sure. And I'm like, also like, I'm not very brave. So I'm like not a shusher. I'm more of a glarer as an audience member. So like, I'm like playing. I would never say anything ever. Like I've seen people be like, um, guys in the back, do you want to just like, and they're like performing. I'm like, oh, I could like that. Just I'm like, oh, I can. But if I'm in the audience, I will, I'll, I'll glare and then I'll glare again. (laughs) And then, but then eventually I'll, I'll sort of do like the, the sigh glare, but I'll never be brave enough to say anything. (laughs) So I just sit and fizz yeah. silently. I want to flip it. What's your pet peeve? What came to mind when I asked you was just rudeness. Just people being rude. Oh, yeah, that's really, yeah. Like, it's e- it's really easy to be nice. Like, Hi. it's really easy to be, like, intentionally rude to someone. Mm-hmm. Do I like it either? Um, what's the one story that either family or friends retell about you time and time again? Oh, hmm. Uh, what comes up often is, so my best friend, Becca, um, she's a nurse. So massive shout out to her, district nurse. She's working her socks. Cool. So thank you, thank you, thank Absolutely. you, thank you. Um, and she, so her mom and my mom were friends when they were pregnant with me and Becca. So that's how long me and Becca have known each other. And um, so we would, we grew up together and my mom and her mom were both nurses as well for a long time. And so often we would be at each other's houses while the other was at work or whatever. And we would absolutely get in so much trouble all of the time but one of the stories that often comes up is that my mum and dad had just um they were moving to what was our real family home like that was like I think I was under two I think I was like less than two years old and so we were like sat in the house and the, the new house was all bought and we were ready to go and um so we were obviously 
dangerously quiet for a while. Uh, and my mum had come up to find that me and Becca were in our little like playpen thing, but had just like got like the perfect little bit of um, wallpaper off the bottom. <laughs> and it did like that really satisfying, like all the way up to the top. And they were like within a week of moving out. So like people had bought this house, they were ready to move out. And then they had to re-wallpaper the whole bedroom because uh, me and Becca had wow. ripped up the wallpaper. So yeah, a variety of me and Becca stories is what often gets brought up. <laughs> And also, like, nobody ever found out who was, like, the instigator and who was the, like, sheep in the situation, you know? Like, nobody knew nobody knew who was the troublemaker and who just went along with it. I think we probably were, like, both in on it. We're, we're a bit of a pair. It's probably like, we should do this. Okay. And then we both just do it. Like, that's, that's the most likely. <laughs> I love it. It's a great story. <laughs> if you could duet with anybody, who would it be? Um, I would say... Um, Brandy Carlyle, definitely. She, like, I love this last album. So Chris was a big fan of her. And then he got me on to the first album that I kind of listened to when it was new was By The Way I Forgive You. I think it's the latest album. Um, and it is unbelievable. The songwriting on it, it's so honest. It's so truthful. It talks about her past. It talks about her present. It talks about everything. Her and the twins, um, so she's the two guys that are in her band, they, they all write together, the three of them. And the songs they write are just unbelievable. She's in the High Women. So, funny story. You know, I said Jason Isbell at the beginning yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His wife's in there. Oh, right. Oh, what a funny little, like, circle. See? Totally. And she plays fiddle on a lot of his stuff. Ah, so they're probably in the same circle. Oh, I want to be in that circle so bad. <laughs> I know. You'll probably like Jason Isbell then if you're into that. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm like on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. I love this as well. I love that like so many people who are in bands are, I think it's maybe because music is so much more accessible now and you can release so much more music. Like you're getting to hear all these like side projects from bands and artists that you love and then you're like, oh, this is like, like sometimes it'll be like a band that you, you, the the full band version, you're like, oh, like, oh, I'd really like this. I didn't expect to like this. And then you hear their other solo stuff and you're like, oh, that's because they write songs like this. And they, and it just translates into whatever the full band song. And it's like you were saying, like the whole music scene here, like, you know, however everyone's able to tap into each other's music and help each other out. I'm sure that still happens yeah, in the big business. Do. And it's always funny as well. Yeah, it's always like that. Like, how come like really famous people always end up with really famous people? And it's like, because they're just at the same parties. Like, it's just the same as us. Like, we're just, you know... I, I would love to sing with Brandy Carlo for sure. I'd be obsessed. I love her. Thoughts become things. Make that. I know, happen. definitely. That's the plan. Like seven degrees of separation. I'm like, I can get there. I can get there. I can get in a room. Say it three times, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, mm-hmm. quite gutted to finish this conversation, actually. I've been enjoying it. I myself. forgot like what we were doing. I was just like having a blur there. Sorry if I've been like talking loads. <laughs> been amazing okay cool good Um, i ask everybody in the podcast what is your favorite scottish word or phrase Hmm. do you know probably just because i have a lot of american friends so chris is from brooklyn so like that whole side of the family is all in america and have lots of american friends and i love it when american people say like a wee bit (laughs) Like, right. and, and it's not like the most like wonderful of Scottish phrases, but it's the most wonderful of phrases that can never really be said properly out with a Scottish accent. It always sounds a bit strange. I love it. And like, so Chris is trying to like assimilate into like <laughs> Scotland. So you'll like always like try stuff out. So we done mm-hmm. actually, we done a quiz the other day with friends and he done a whole round on like 
what do we call it in America and what do you call it in Scotland? And it was really fun. And it was really, it was good. I like felt like it was an unfair advantage, you know, given the fact that I'm going to be married to an American. But uh, and he'll he'll always try. So there was like a wee, there was like one of like what were we talking about? Or oh, we were saying about um, hen, like saying like oh it's okay hen, don't worry about it, like that sort of like phrase. And he was like, oh, that's so funny. And I'm like, yeah. And then we had mentioned another time being like, oh, he's still a cow. Like that kind of thing. Always in jest, of course. And it's probably really offensive. And I'm sorry if it's offensive. Anyway, but like, it's just like one of those weird phrases. It's like, that's not really anywhere. Nobody else does that. And like this like farmyard theme going through random colloquial terms. <laughs> weird. So of course he recognized this, this pattern. Mm-hmm. And I had never noticed that pattern before. So it was really funny when he like endearingly tried to solve someone a cow <laughs> when, when being being sweet. I was like, that's not how that works. Can't just use a farmyard. It doesn't mean the same. So that was that was also a really fun Scottish like, oh, that didn't work there. Uh, but I reckon a wee bit, that's really fun in other accents. Well, I've enjoyed this. Me too. A big, a big bit. bit. It's been really, really fun. Thank you so much for Thank having us. Thank you so chat. much. It's been a total pleasure. I'm delighted for you because it just sounds like you're having an absolute ball doing what you're absolutely brilliant at. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens yeah. next in the world of Big Mackenzie. Well, next big thing is Friday. I've got a music video coming out. So I was supposed to film a music video for Happy, which was my latest single. It just came out last month. But we couldn't because lockdown kicked in and it was like like it was gonna be in like a recording, like a film place. It was gonna be like a legit like proper music video. I was so excited. And that didn't happen. So then I came up with this idea of like, okay, well, it's called happy. Let's just find out what makes people happy. So I put out this kind of campaign, which was hashtag this is my happy. And I said to people to film themselves holding a sign with something written on it that makes them happy. And then film the thing that makes them happy. So it could be your favourite mug or your pet or your family or a plant in your garden or anything you want at all. And send me a little clip. And I just sent this morning the final edit of it. And so it's got like 50 people in it that have just sent in these little clips. And it's the most, I love it so much because it's all of these people's what makes them happy. And it's just so lovely. And I was so happy, like so enjoyed putting it all together. And I'm not, I mean, I am not an editor when it comes to this kind of stuff. So it's taken me so long, Um, but it's finally ready. And I'm so excited. It's just, it's just so lovely to watch everyone smiling and enjoying themselves. And all of it was them filming things while they've been in lockdown. So it's like this lovely snippet of like people still finding their own happy i guess yeah that's like a total journal entry right there isn't it? i love it i'm so ex- i was so excited that people wanted to get on board with it and mm-hmm. and i'm so excited for them to then see themselves in like a music video and stuff yeah yeah and it's lovely how you just adapted to the situation and you know it's upsetting obviously to have things cancelled and you you're like i'm going to make a music video and then I, oh, i'm not but you're just like do you know what turn that from uh, upside I- down I'm like delighted that it happened like I love this video so much and I love everyone that's involved and I like it's just so I love it I'm so like that feels like a real like oh that was supposed to happen like that because this is this is actually the perfect video for this song I'm so glad that it turned out this way not disappointed at all I'm I'm over the moon that this it happened this way for sure Well, it sounds to me like lots of people are being made happy by your music. Hopefully. You've made me happy. I've had a lovely, lovely time. Me too. I've done for so long. I love it. It's so fun. Hopefully I'll get to see you in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, looking at tour dates for next year, but nothing set in stone. But uh, yeah, hopefully I will be floating around Scotland playing lots of 
um, different shows. I think I think the idea will probably be to go and do like some some solo shows and kind of maybe yeah. focus in on that that songwriter idea and just turn up and just be me playing some songs and the guitar and a piano and and then we'll book in some big shows as well with the the, the band and and. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm so excited to be able to play in front of people, though. Like, it's more see being able to see people. It's just so lovely. Yeah, to see you your lovely wee dog. I can yeah. Hear. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just been me and Ben. We can't clap. So. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Brawn the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.